And I said, well, you know, in my animated episode, I introduced his predecessor, Robert April, and JJ said, yeah, he's out of the film. Oh, no. <laughs> and we had a laugh. We had a laugh. <laughs> Captain Spot, stardate 4071422.7. That's what we're going with today, people. Wow. For all of you who think that my stardate system is made up, it is not. <laughs> it is just simply getting longer and more sing songy. Yeah, that's amazing. Danae is rubbing off on me. If you heard the outtakes, there's a lot of Danae. Sorry, you wouldn't have heard the outtakes yet because that happens at the end of the show, people. Um, but listen to the outtakes. There'll be tons of Danae singing. How are you doing, Ambassador? I'm great. I'm excited because today um, I have a surprise for you. <gasps> uh, continue. Okay. I'm going to beam somebody aboard. <gasps> are you going to beam them to 10 forward? Do we have to go there or are you going to beam them in front of me? Uh, I haven't decided yet. Okay. I figure I probably should talk to somebody who understands beaming a little bit more than I do. <laughs> Just make I sure make that, that they get beamed in with clothes. That's the crucial thing. They have to have their clothes beamed in with them. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, I can do that. Sure. You know what? Just oh, it, uh. I'll I'll meet you in ten forward for okay. whatever the surprise might be. Okay, I'll tell you about it on the way so that you're not super shocked. Okay, amazing. Because it's Elmo, but <gasps> oh, well, that you don't have to worry then because Elmo doesn't have clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got confused. Like, does he come furless? I don't know. Oh my goodness! Everybody, welcome Elmo from Sesame Street. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Unfortunately, it isn't Elmo, but we do have, we do indeed have a very special guest. Um, so let's head over to 10 Forward and join a piece of Trek history, uh, Fred Bronson. So first of all, unless the internet has completely misled me, you are a well-traveled, well-written journalist, uh, music enthusiast, and most importantly, top of the list Star Trek writer as well. That's got to be right at the, the very, very top. In, in all modesty, yeah, that's all true. <laughs> <laughs> With as much uh, humility as I can muster, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, the most important question that I have, very, very top of the list is... Yes. Don't worry about Paul McCartney, Adam Lambert, anyone like that. What was it like to interview Ace of Base? Top of my list. <laughs> well, it is by far, and I, I have done some very long interviews, but Ace of Base holds the record for all oh, I've ever done. With Ulf, 12 hours. <gasps> yes. What did you talk was, about for 12 hours? I was just telling Ian that I get really chatty and sometimes I'll realize that we booked an hour interview and it's been, and I joked around that days would go by, but it, it sometimes just, you just meet people and you click. Was that, was that the, what happened? We or? have met in person many times, but this was over the phone, which was a very mm. expensive phone. It was more than one because <laughs> we took a lunch wow. break and a dinner break. Uh, That's I, incredible. I was writing liner notes for the Ace of Base box set. Which didn't come out till five years later, by the way. It's a long time. <laughs> well, yeah, if oh every interview gosh. took 12 hours, I'm not surprised. No, exactly. <laughs> so I think I got every possible fact about Ace of Base. I have done, you know, like five hours with Mary Wilson from the Supremes. And then I'll just tell you one more. Uh, in 2008, for Sirius XM, I was interviewing mm. Bjorn and Benny for the ABBA channel that ran for three weeks. 
They were on their oh, way wow. to the studio, and the serious people said, they're going to sit for about 30 minutes, so get what you can. We did mm -hmm. a three-hour interview. Wow. And they, I'm sure they were thrilled. Well, <laughs> so the next day I had to see Benny again, and I said, listen, I know that was a really long interview. I'm sorry. He said, no, we, we loved it. We would have left if we... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we're done now. See you later. We're okay with it, yeah. If we get to the eight-hour mark, <laughs> please cut me off and stop because I Just only instantly? have so much of a hard drive. I can't fit twelve hours on okay. it. Okay, <laughs> well, you know, I'll do that. Five or six hours, I'll do that. I'm sure tops. We'll we'll leave it to around there. Yeah, that sounds okay. good. Amazing. I'll make it really awkward and just like put up a like an end screen. <laughs> just start playing the <laughs> With, music. Like a roll credits like, when yeah. we've done the awards the acceptance speech for too yeah. long. Yeah, that's it. No, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Ian Ian can uh, talk about Star Trek. Uh, ceaselessly. Okay, so well, I have nothing to do until Friday. So okay, perfect. Brilliant. Perfect. Is, Danae, if you, I know you have childcare stuff to do. You need to I'll, stop. I'll work all on of it. That. Yeah, I'll work no, on it. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> well, um, so what inspired this, to be honest, was um, the kind of unexpected introduction of your captain of the Enterprise being introduced into Strange New Worlds. So yeah, I'm dying to dive straight into that and just. Sure. How did how awesome was that news? How incredible was well that surprise? I was very patient. I waited forty eight years for yeah, to say the least. <laughs> we've all waited for the we've all waited that amount of time for this series to launch from the cage. It's like the longest pilot to series exactly. wait in a, in the history. record. Uh, I think about that. Um, so Robert April, uh, we almost had a live action there. We almost had live action Robert April a couple of times, but we didn't mm. obviously until now, or we would know that. Uh, when the when J.J. Abrams was making his first movie in 2009, I happened to be at Paramount doing an interview uh, for a box set about being an extra in the first movie, along with a few other oh, people, you know, David Gerald and Bruno mm. Trimble and uh, Chris Duham. And after we did the interview, the producer said, we want to walk you over to stage 18, which is where you did this 30 years ago. Well, stage 18 oh, wow. was in use for the first J.J. Star Trek movie. Mm. And Chris had already filmed a scene for it. So now we're standing over in front of stage 18, and a golf cart comes along, and Chris says, oh, hi, JJ. As they do. And J.J. says, <laughs> hey, Chris. And he can over and talk to Chris. And Chris introduces me as a writer of an animated episode and a couple of TNG. And mm. JJ says, have you seen the new set? And I said, you know, it's kind of high security. No. <laughs> Funnily <laughs> enough, they're not letting just anyone in. No, yeah, they're not going <laughs> to let us in. So he said, well, would you like to? I said, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. So a second later, I'm getting a wristband and signing an NDA. And I'm escorted mm. in. And JJ's standing behind me. And we're there for about 20 minutes, and I think I'm a huge fan of Lost, and I've got to go talk. Of course. This is my this is probably my only chance in my lifetime to have a word with JJ. So I went, I went over and I said, so I understand that uh, you've got Captain Pike as one of the characters in the film. He said, yes, yes, we do. And I said, well, you know, in my animated episode, I introduced his predecessor, Robert April, and JJ said, yeah, he's out of the film. Oh, no. <laughs> and we had a laugh. We had a laugh. <laughs> just hint, hint, just in case you were tempted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think he was, but it was still, mm. I had a moment with JJ. That's amazing. Now it's 2013, and he's making the second 
his second movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm reading online after the, because it was shrouded in secrecy. Like, is it Khan? Is it not Khan? Nobody really knew Mm -hmm. early on. And in February, I'm reading a a report from a journalist who went to the very first press conference uh, at JJ's office. And he writes, based on what I heard and saw today at JJ Abrams' office, I think the main character in the new Star Trek movie is Robert April from the animated series. Oh, that kind of makes sense. And I'm thinking, what? 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 (laughs) No one told me. I track him down. Uh, I give him a phone call. And I said, hi, you know, I, I created Robert. Can you, what do you mean you saw something or heard? He said, well, nobody said anything, but I saw a storyboard on a desk and it was all about Robert April. Oh, uh, wow. It turns out he saw a storyboard for the prequel comic book. Oh, of course. But he wasn't. Oh, Robert no. Robert. Yeah. You must have been oh. absolutely giddy for a little a while. Little Just like, what's going on? What are they doing? I didn't know for sure until I saw the movie. But so, That's amazing. So I think I was extremely patient, 48 years. I think that's fantastically patient. Um, and I think, no, I, I think they picked an absolutely incredible person to, to play him as well. Yeah, he was great. I, I tweeted him. Uh, I don't know him, but I sent him a tweet mm. saying, you know, how great it is. Thank you for bringing the character to life. And got a yeah. lovely, you know, tweet back from him. And as you probably know, there was some, there were some haters out there who, uh, yeah. inevitably, yeah. So I wanted to show support because he did do a great job, and I hope we see him again. Absolutely, yeah. I think it was nice to see him pop up in a second episode as well. It wasn't yeah. just like a cameo at the beginning. It was right, yeah. And I, I think it was smart to have him play the character that's kind of giving Pike a kick back into the captain's chair as well. It's yes. Yeah, it was super powerful, not just not just an aside on a computer screen somewhere. I was yeah, very really, happy. Really cool. yeah. That's amazing. So back to like the, the genesis of Robert yeah. April then. Yeah. So how did you find yourself writing an animated episode of Star Trek and then just think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reinvent who's in charge of the Enterprise. Like, that's, that's pretty bold. Well, you kind of nailed it. Uh, so I was the publicist, uh, the NBC publicist for the animated series. Mm. Uh, I I went to work uh, at NBC in 1971, and my boss knew I was a huge Star Trek fan and and science fiction. So every Mm. science fiction project that came along during my oh, do it, yeah. I well, I didn't even have to raise my hand. It was like yeah, uh, yours. (laughs) So I was the publicist on Buck Rogers and the year that Bionic Woman was on NBC, Man from Atlanta. Wow, you know, on and on. So. Star Trek, it was just a natural fit for me to be the... By the way, I marched on NBC in 1968. B. Joe Trimble's organized march to protest the possible cancellation. And Oh, uh, wow, that's huge. Yeah, I was a kid. Uh, the executive who came out to greet us is the man who hired me three years later. That's incredible. Pure coincidence. It wasn't like I stayed in touch with him because... <laughs> It was like, right. hey, I remember this kid. <laughs> but so he knew that. So anyway, here I am, the public. That's amazing. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm working hand in hand with Filmation, and I did submit some ideas in season one uh, to Dorothy mm. Fontana, and they were all rejected. So now comes season two, six episodes. And I'm, th- well, you know, I wanted to write for the original, but I was a little too young. And when mm. it was canceled, I thought, well, that's it. No more Star Trek ever. And yeah. I'm out of luck. 
and now the animated. So I think it, it's my it's my last and only chance. To write. <laughs> Star Trek will be dead after this. We won't see anything more ever again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will not be talking about this in 2022. Well, I have a funny story about that. I'll tell you too. So uh, there are six episodes only for season two. And since I'm the publicist, you know, I kind of know what's going on. And yeah. we got to a point where they were, they were looking for two more scripts. They had four, and they needed two more. So I submitted one, something called War Game. Uh, and it was, you know, in, a, in the, the quick storyline is that they beam down to a planet where World War II is being recreated, Earth's World War II is being recreated. And it's August 6, 1945, and they beam down to Hiroshima. Oh, my goodness. So Filmation liked it, uh, but NBC said, we're not going to do a World War II story on Saturday morning television. Even though Star Trek, okay. as we know, the animated uh... was for adults, but it was also for kids. It, okay. it had to appeal to both. So I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. And now there's they bought another script, meanwhile. So there's oh no, there's one, one left. One. <laughs> oh no! So I had to act fast. Now my favorite author when I was growing up, who nobody knew at the time, but now everybody knows who he is or was since he's not with us anymore. Philip K. Dick. I I was just a fan, and yeah, he had, he's incredible. Uh, absolutely, and I felt you know like nobody else knew who he was at the time. Mm. Sort of like when Kate Bush first came out. Now everybody knows. Who <laughs> Yeah. Not that so he had a novel called Counterclock World, where time oh, ran backwards. Of course. Oh, and that's that amazing. was my inspiration. I call it an homage, not plagiarism, but. Yeah, that's uh-huh. fair. Of that's course. fair. Yeah. Of course. So that's where I came up with the idea of they go into a universe where time runs backwards. Mm. And I think, well, if they're going to become kids, I need an adult who, an yeah. older adult who could become. Even though he's going to become younger, he's still an adult and can get them back safely. Mm. Like their guide. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, all right, what if there was, we we know Pike is Kirk's predecessor, but did Pike have a predecessor? So I went back and watched the Menagerie again. They never Mm. ever said he was the first captain of the Enterprise. No. And any excuse to watch the Menagerie as well. Exactly. Exactly. And so I thought, okay, there was an earlier captain, and I'm going to invent him. And then I needed a name. Mm. Well, at the time, there was one book about Star Trek called The Making of Star Trek. And in that book was a list of the names that Gene was considering. I think there were nine names on the list. Mm. Obviously, one was Christopher Pike, and one was James T. Kirk. Well, one of the other names was Robert April. Now, I know now, but did not know then, he had already used the name in have gun will travel uh, for a for a, a guest character. I didn't know that, mm. and he also, you know, was strongly considering that as the name for the captain in the first pilot, but obviously did not use it. Mm. And I thought, well, if I'm going to name him, I might as well pick a name he likes. What an amazing! Now that's an homage. That's great. That that's, that's an, an awesome way to I wanted to do that. So that's I so picked cool. Robert. I, of the names that had not been used yet. I like Robert Engel mm. the best. And that's Robert, perfect. And then Sarah, Sarah just came out of I don't know, no, no particular inspiration. You know, names when you're writing names pop into your head, and, and Sarah popped into my head. That's amazing. There's a reason for all of them. Something you uh, wouldn't know about us is that both Ian and I uh, 
play games where we create characters too. I create characters on a role-playing, kind of a role-playing world. Ian does the same. And so we're very familiar with creating, you know, uh, really thought through backstories and all that stuff. So I'm just over here imagining how mind-bending it would be to create something and then have another organization pick it up and bring it to life in this like mm-hmm. yeah. whole new way because it comes from your imagination, but we're obviously uh, inspired by all the things that happen in our own lives. Like Ian and I regularly come up with little Star Trek isms and and examples and and jump into new stories and what if this happened and what if that mm-hmm. happened and I just what a fun thing to actually be able to put it on paper and have people read it and kind of go yeah this actually works in this universe and then just the collaboration of the beauty of the storytelling in the Star Trek universe I'm really excited to get back involved in Star Trek he's he's been in it forever right <laughs> he jokes around that his mom played like the warp core while he was in the womb <laughs> in the womb just like t- to soothe me <laughs> but the, the I, I i'm absolutely certain it happened um the the naming thing is fascinating because like i always wonder like how are the names iconic because the the series has been around for so long or does the the, the weight of the name like would it not work as well if you didn't have powerful names like kirk mccoy spock Riker, picard and right it, do you sounds, just get yeah? Do you get lucky, or is it like deliberately like syllabolic? Syllabolic. Yes, and uh, You know something interesting about a couple of those names. Uh, so Gene's middle name is Wesley, and although oh, course, it was yeah. going to be Leslie Crusher originally when they decided to give her a son instead of a daughter, that's where Wesley came from, and Gene's. Uh, assistant i'm sure you know susan sackett mm. who i helped get the job with him in the first place back in 1974 uh her middle name is deanna oh perfect deanna wow troy Kim. i didn't know that that's yeah. cool that's amazing that's so cool it's nice to draw from something and talking about naming things there's something i named so my it my two contributions to canon are robert april and umox you invented Umox? When, when I wrote Minaj Troy with Susan, <laughs> the whole thing about massaging his ear absentmindedly, and then it turns out to be one of the... Oh, that is the first time it happens. That was that was interesting. Oh, wow. Minaja. And the name, again, literally just popped into my head. I don't know where it came from. Umox. That's so funny. No, you, you, I was about to say, you're absolutely right. You know you're right. Yeah, that is the first time that, <laughs> that it appeared, and it got it got picked up a lot in Deep Space Nine, obviously. Exactly. It, got you. it just, like, it's as familiar with the Ferengi as being greedy as that's incredible. Um, that's the fun part, is, like, as, as people who kind of, like, have the creative, inventive mind to have people, like, latch onto something and then just run with it and, and enjoy it. Um, as a content creator, that's got to feel really And good. have another life after, after like, yeah. whatever you, like, Really seriously, forty-eight years later, Robert April's still a part of this, and that is amazing. That's powerful. You mentioned having a a story for twenty twenty-two. Is that part of it? Uh, like well, to be, still be talking about it? It involves uh, a lunch that I had. So because Susan was a friend, once she started working for Gene, I would go over there on a regular basis, and we'd all the three of us would have lunch. Sometimes on the lot, sometimes we'd go out. Gene would never let us pay, except we always took him out on his birthday. That was the one time. Oh, amazing. Well, one of those lunches, it was 1990, and it was in the commissary of Paramount. 
somehow the conversation turned to legacy. And I said, well, you know, they'll still be writing stories about Kirk and Spock in the 21st century. And Gene, in his way, said, yeah, and they'll do it better than I did it. Oh, that's amazing. And, <laughs> you know, once we got to J.J.'s first movie and they're writing stories mm -hmm. about Kirk and Spock in the 21st century, I thought, oh, my God. I, I don't know if I, <laughs> I, you know, I said it. Did I believe it? I don't know. But it came, it came to pass. It's amazing. It's it's got to feel so good too, because technology's changed so much. Like we, one of the things we're talking about a lot on Captain's Pod uh, for Strange New Worlds, for example, is just like all the costuming and the cameras able to pick up all this detail, and there's just this different way of telling the story that is so different than you know the original series or anything. We can sure. like Ian was just explaining that the color patterns of the costuming was uh, because TVs got their first. Well, the original ability? series was one of the first that. shows that was in color. So it was like, hey, yeah, let's make the uniforms as colorful as possible. Exactly. Why not? Let's take advantage of it. Yeah, that is the truth. And, and now we're getting these like 3D printed emblems and just the super high detailed sort of world building stuff that I am just like, I want the clothes of Strange New Worlds on my body <laughs> every day. Those shoes. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, let's go you know it's, yeah. a, it's such a fun kind of world to to get so detailed Absolutely. and so it's not it's yeah the stories are being retold but then also there's these new kind of filters of elements that couldn't be done you know early on there was no 3d printing there of was like, the same kind of things so i i can see why he would say that but did did he because i don't know a lot about uh gene and everything because i'm i'm the um new nerd to star trek is that how you would say the, the, re the relapsed fan the that's relapsed coming back fan. to the fold Fair enough. i i grew up on tng right. um so my, my race home every day from school was to sit in front of the tv and watch tng uh so the uh, t uh the original series is something that was new to me and so my first version of spock uh is in strange new worlds oh. actually oh. <laughs> so it's sort of it's a different kind of storytelling too to your point we're telling these stories again um and i'm just curious like you are you watching strange well, new worlds and all of these and watching? just super loving it <laughs> are, you, are uh, you loving it so much i am absolutely loving it well first of all i i really have enjoyed every star trek there's not one mm -hmm. that i don't care for i love them all yeah. uh, maybe maybe some more than others but of course i love yeah. them all well, Strange New Worlds. I mean, how much better can it be? Yeah. It's so good. Oh man, it's hard to We're not be like out. over the top about it. But I was yeah. I was talking to my dad, and I said, I know I say this a lot, but this is the best Star Trek that I've ever <laughs> seen. It's so so good. Absolutely. It's so it's so fun. And we're only getting ten episodes. I mean, it's not enough. Oh. We got to get a longer <sighs> season. Give me thirty. Like, just it's give me a full awesome. season. It's Thirteen. It's these it's writers so... don't need to sleep. Just keep them working. <laughs> like, we need more stories. You know, they used to do 26 episodes a year. Well, we can do 13. Come on. Come, <laughs> Come on. on. Give us something more. And we need a little more time. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's got to so feel fun. so incredible. Like, I know that you know, you've know you got characters that you've written, but having been around all, um, all of the people who are so invested in this world to know like that these stories continue on and we get to see them in these new iterations i am loving it mm. i i am a i am a spock fan yeah That's, yeah um, uh, yeah mm -hmm. I want, he's I my favorite now original series absolutely so really oh, yeah. uh -huh. 
I mean, I yeah. like everybody, but he was probably my maybe the one I identified with the most. I think that is so true of so many Star Trek fans. Yeah. It is this is the guy that is misunderstood and often the the butt of the joke, even though he has the most sensible thing to say. Um, it's really easy to relate to that. Yeah. Um, when you're writing a character, do you usually try to think of like a standout trait that will at least sort of appear a little bit and give them some some texture? Um, how is that something well, that you consider when you're that, writing? Something? That's a good question, but I don't think consciously I do. I think it's more, or for me anyway, more organic that um, you know they take on a life of their own, uh, and you just are. It's like what songwriters say. They say, I don't know where the lyrics come from. I'm a channel. Mm. They come they come into me and they come out of me. So I, I don't really know where the inspiration and it all comes from. I do plot a lot out in my head before I ever touch the keyboard. Uh, but once you're on the keyboard typing, something magically mm. organic happens. And sometimes even though you plotted out a story, for, you know, beginning, middle, end, and every beat in, in between. Sometimes when those fingers are going over the keyboard, something else happens or something else. It just goes out the window. Yeah, I can't explain it really how that, how that happened. I'd love, I'd love to know what's really going on with that. What the secret sauce is. <laughs> yeah. It almost feels like cheating because our, our main job is writing silly jokes on YouTube. And sometimes like where those jokes and those points come from, it's like, I, I didn't consciously intend to do that. It just came out of me and it, yeah. it feels like the universe is trying to make a point through you and yeah, you're yeah. just the vessel to get it out there. I mean, yeah, it is incredible. amazing how many songwriters say that, that, mm. you know, they're all having that same experience of it just flows into me. Mm. That's incredible. I've experienced that myself firsthand with some songs that I've written. Uh, it's a, it's a trip. It's a trip. Yeah. But it's fun it, when you feel when you feel that connection to something. I don't know. It feels bigger than yourself, and you're just kind of channeling. Whether it's a conversation with a friend or you're creating something, but there is something about creation, you know. The and there's like a there's a vibrancy to it, especially when you're with people. Um, do you did you write like solo kind of by yourself, or did you ever do like group work where everyone's kind of minds in together and just co-creating? Is that something that would happen um, as well? I would say not so much group group work. Uh, maybe in a class I've done that where uh, I had a script writing class in college and there would be, they'd put us in the small groups and we'd come up with it. So, but that was maybe, you know, zero, zero, mm. zero, zero point one percent of my, of my <laughs> writing. Uh, the Star Trek episodes I wrote with Susan, uh, Menage, not, not the anime that was by myself, but mm -hmm. Menage, Troy and the game we wrote together. So I have collaborated, but Everything else has been on, on my own. Wow. Well, I, you That's, know, yeah. I'm saying that, but there were television shows where I did write with other people, but we didn't, uh, a variety, I wrote a lot of variety. I, I worked at Dick Clark Productions for many years, writing the American Music Awards and the New Year's Rock and Eve show. And so I wasn't the only writer, well, kind of on the American Music Awards for a long time I was. But not always <laughs> New Year's Eve, though. But we would take different parts of the show. So it wasn't like, all right, let's sit down and write something for Ryan or Dick. Mm -hmm. It was, you write this, you write this. And so I, I see. felt like that I was writing sense. by myself, uh -huh. even yeah. though the show would have three or four writers in the credits. 
That's interesting. You know, in my imagination, it's like the writers get together in this room and it's like all oh, just kind of hands down. There's oh. pencils flying and there's erasers and conversation. I think that is what happens today. I mean, because when I when I wrote for TNG, they were you could go in and pitch. Uh, but now mm. everything's staff written. And yeah. there are writing rooms and they do the, exactly what you just said. And there are many shows, I don't know about Star Trek, but there are many shows where, you know, the writing credit will be one person, but it was created in the writer's room with a lot of people mm. contributing. So I think you're more right on them than I am at the moment, you know, the way things happen now. Mm. I would just love to be a fly on the wall for that chaos of just... And all of the ideas that we never get to see as well. The absolute bonkers pitches that are just like, no, we can't do that. That's too ridiculous. Oh, I've made many of those pitches. Oh, I want, I want to hear some of those. Okay. Well. <laughs> what's what's one of the most ridiculous? Oh, ridiculous. I have to think about that. Um, well, actually, I thought Menage Troy was pretty ridiculous. When we- <laughs> <laughs> you did write two absolutely incredibly bonkers episodes oh, of Star Trek. Well, like me and They're great. Me and Danae watched them together because they were obviously I I've seen them a thousand times, but uh, it would have been ages since Danae had seen them. So we watched them back to back. So it made oh, for a, right. a fantastic a fantastic double bill. Oh, it was so fun. Craziness. What was so wild as well is when the the game came on, I was like, I remember this one. Like I actually remember right. uh, sitting in front of my television and watching that one. I was Pretty cool. I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the first season of TNG, actually, let me go back a little bit before that. Because I knew Susan, and Susan was sitting in all the meet- the very first meetings where they were creating characters way before anybody was cast, I was getting all the information. Well, the captain's going to be Picard, and the doctor's Dr. Crusher, and she has a daughter named Leslie, as we know that changed. So I'm starting to think up ideas because, yeah, my previous thought that there, no more Star Trek ever, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to write for TNG. And so I had quite a few ideas before the show was even cast. And wow. at this point, I was in the Writers Guild, thanks to other work. And if you're in the Writers Guild, you could go in and pitch. If you weren't, mm-hmm. you could still send a story in like Ron Moore did with the bonding. Yeah. And if you know, they might pick one out of 10,000, like the bonding, mm-hmm. to produce uh, and and create someone who's going to be part of Star Trek for a very long time. And, and run That's more. just incredible. Like, we don't really have the Klingons as we know them if that didn't happen. Exactly. Thanks to Ron. Yes. Mm. So season one, I was able to go in and pitch. I mean, I think Gene said, you know, please, please, make, you know, let Fred come in and pitch. Yeah. And so uh, I pitched to Bob Lewin, who was one of the producers on season one. And he liked one of my ideas, which I'll tell you. And then I'll tell you why it didn't get made. <laughs> um, I called it The Mnemonic Enemy. And it opens with uh, Dr. Crusher in the captain's chair and Deanna Troy on the bridge, but no men. Oh, and that's awesome. In the teaser, we start to realize there are no men on the ship, period. And they've all been stolen for breeding stock, and the women's memories have been wiped. Oh, that's amazing. So they're, they're not aware that there were ever men on the ship. And it goes on. Oh, wow. And Bob said, well, I like that. I'm down for this. I like it. That's, right? that good. <laughs> that's fun. The reason it didn't get made. So Bob said, well, I like the idea. We are thinking about another story that's not the same story, but it does involve, it does involve men and women 
being separate and a gen it's a gender you know story mm -hmm. he said we can't do both i'm gonna fight for yours well he lost oh, oh no one got made that was the other story so what was the other one sorry oh angel one uh the oh angel one yeah. oh yeah that's yeah the matriarchy planet so however if that didn't get made we never would have had the Riker v cut exactly but we had to have that tunic yeah. we had to have that yeah. <laughs> well now we just know that the key back then was the tunic yeah exactly and if we ever see this happen on strange new worlds where it's just ortegas number one on the bridge and everyone else is gone we know where it's come from exactly <laughs> Man, I would have loved to have seen that because That's incredible. Uh, those were my like, like my, my heroines. Mm. I loved I thought, watching them. Yeah, I really wanted to see it too. So, no sale, season one. Now, season two comes along, and uh, Susan and I decided to team up because she had also submitted on her own and didn't sell. Mm. And Gene said, uh, All right, because at this point, he was in charge, but he wasn't the showrunner. Uh, mm. Morris Hurley was the showrunner uh, the year before Michael Pillar came in. Mm. And Gene said, look, this time pitch to me. And if I like it, I'll let you know. Um, so we came up with another idea. It's going to sound cliche now, but I promise <laughs> you when we came up with it, it had never been done. So you're going to have to Amazing. take my word for it. <laughs> I, be I already I believe, believe you. you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we, we've actually um, seen things like it since. So uh, we called it Past Tense. A Starfleet historian from the future comes back to observe the Enterprise and accidentally causes the death of Picard. Oh. So Ooh, they have to no. reset, you know, with a time loop and all of that. Oh, that would have been incredible. So he <sighs> liked it, and he bought it. He bought the story from us, which is, mm. you know, there's you get paid a certain amount for a story, mm -hmm. If they have you write the script, then you get paid the full amount of what a, a script gets, mm -hmm. you know, what you get paid for a script. Well, nobody else liked it. And oh, Rick, no. Rick Berman especially did not want to do time travel then. Yeah. And, and Hurley didn't like it. So oh. nothing happened. Oh, no. <laughs> then season three, Hurley is gone and Michael Pillar's in. And we thought, we got a chance for this one. Let's do it. <laughs> Michael didn't like it either. At least, oh, no. At least oh, no. he, didn't want to, he didn't want to do it. No. So now Susan and I said, all right, well, let's come up with other ideas. Yeah. And we literally came up with 12, 12 ideas. Oh, wow. And nowadays, they will not let you come in with 12 ideas. A anybody. No. They tell you mm -hmm. three or four, but tops. Not yeah. one, because... You could the meeting could be over in thirty seconds if they don't like your right. Pitch. Yeah, we're not doing that, or we already have something similar. Yes. Well, so that's exactly with our with the first eleven ideas we pitched. <laughs> we either heard we're already doing that, or oh, we'll no. never do that. Oh, oh no! One of the things they said we'll never do that was a western in the holodeck. But they, but they did, did that. Yeah, they did it. <laughs> I watched that yes, episode, did, but it was later. It was a couple years old. Oh, no. With Worf and his son, it was so cool. Yeah. Because that was like wanted, season that was six. One of our ideas. Yeah. We just, oh, we, man. When they did it, we felt redeemed, but we still, anyway. But also a little bit robbed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, our, literally, our 12th idea was The Ransom of Mrs. Troy, based on the O'Henry short story, The Ransom of Red Chief. And the pitch was Aliens kidnap Mrs. Troy, and they can't wait to give her back. 
<laughs> well, oh, it, got, it was so fun. It got refined from, you know, it got developed mm-hmm. from, from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, as you know, that one we sold. But mm-hmm. there were, other, uh, oh, a couple of years later, we, we pitched more. And one of the ideas was uh, in the teaser, the teaser ends with the Enterprise exploding. And then the story mm-hmm. goes backward from there. Mm-hmm. And Michael, Wait. yeah, you saw it later in Voyager. Uh, Michael Pillar said, do you mean like the musical Merrily We Roll Along, which is a Sondheim musical that starts at the end and goes backward. Every scene mm-hmm. is back in time. And I said, well, exactly like that. That was our inspiration for this. Oh, so he so, pegged it too quick. Yeah, but but Michael said, well, I, I love Merrily We Roll Along, but we're not going to do this in, in Star Trek. Of course, years later in Voyager, they did that exactly, you know. Yeah, because they revisit different... I thought you were going to say that headed into cause and effect, where oh. the ship explodes and then there's the True. repeat. But yeah, in Voyager, they it's it was almost a really clever clip show where they got to relive bits of Voyager's past depending on what part of the ship they were in. Oh, that was good too. I'm thinking of the one where we go back to Kess's, like like, birth. Oh, yes. No, they start at the end of her life and then go all yeah, the way backwards. Yes. And so they did. I can see why they got confused with. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. The, the, the concept, oh, wow. yeah, has been toyed with uh, ever since. Well, that's one of the best episodes of Voyager. Like, that is yeah. that is a haunting episode because, yeah, like, you just have no control. The further back you go, the less people understand what the hell you're talking about. Exactly. And they did a Seinfeld episode like that, too, where they were going to a wedding in India, but it starts at the end. And the very last scene is Kramer moving into the apartment next door. I mean, it really goes back, 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 back. Wow. Um, it's, it's such a clever story device. Yeah. Well, we wanted to do it and we, we didn't. So oh, you never know. Unbelievable. Yeah. Just how many stories like that are there out there of stories that just never, never made it? Sure. That's exactly what I was thinking about. And how encouraging it is, too, because I think a lot of times we look at the successes and forget that there's a lot of no's and there's a lot mm. of hurdles mental or whatever just to get through like it's not that it's a bad idea it's that the timing isn't right yeah. or this person just didn't understand it the right way and so to keep at it yeah. uh, and keep going back because you love doing something mm. and not to be discouraged is it it takes a lot of uh endurance <laughs> i think any, so, anybody who's yeah. creative whether you're a songwriter or a, a tv writer or a tv producer you have to be able to hear the no and mm-hmm. keep going I mean, look, Star Wars was turned down by many studios. The Beatles were turned down by many labels. Mm-hmm. If if you hear the no and you stop, you've given up. I because I you mm-hmm. just you just don't know. You don't know where that no is coming from. Exactly. Sometimes, and if you'll yeah, eventually I'd... get a yes, and they make a bonkers episode with the Ferengi and. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I hadn't remembered uh, meeting Deanna's mom until we watched that together, Ian. Like I hadn't. Mm. That that was not one of the episodes that I really like remember too much. But then, of course, it was a you know a while ago and sure. um in my in my mind. But uh, when I saw her, I was like, oh, tell me more about this person. And then we were talking <laughs> about the actor, the, the actor who played Angel, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and oh, she was fascinating to watch. Like, what a fascinating person to bring to life that character. Uh, Very in that episode, yeah. Big, mm. big, bold, brassy. Uh, yeah. says what she thinks. Yeah, it was great. Like it. I was like, man, 
no filter. Let's go. I love it. Well, <laughs> I'm I, encouraged by no filters. <laughs> when, we, when we pitched it, uh, you know, they'd already done one one story with her. Yeah. Mm. And so when we went in and we pitched it, at first, Michael said, well, I like it. I'm not sure. And I don't know where this came from, but I said, well, we all know there's going to be a Mrs. Troy story this season since, you know, Major was Gene Troy. It's what you do. Yeah. yeah. And I said, and I think we have the best one. I don't know why I said that. Or, oh, you know, amazing. I'm not even <laughs> sure I believed it, but I, I, I went for it. And Michael said, well, you kind of do. So, yeah, we're going to go forward. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. incredible. That's so great. Even if you have false confidence in yourself, you've got it. It's there it's somewhere. It pays off. <laughs> That's amazing. How much um, how much fun is it to put words in Loxana Troy's mouth and just to create that flamboyant way she talks? Almost as much fun as putting words in Patrick Stewart's mouth. <laughs> oh, the song at the, the, the poem. Stuff, it's yeah, so that. great. Oh, that final scene is so good. It's Thank absolutely you. genius. And, and being on set when he did it. Uh, <gasps> you oh, were that there? must have been magical. So writers are not, especially people who are not staff, are not mm-hmm. invited to the set. And I think it's because they're afraid you're going to go, that's not what I meant. Yes. <laughs> I didn't, you didn't say it right. Yeah. Could you, uh, <laughs> another take yeah, on that, please? Could we do another take? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously we wouldn't have, but anyway, we're not welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. you have to remember, Susan was Jean's assistant. And mm-hmm. so- A little bit went, of extra sway. Yeah. She went to Jean and said, you know, it's our first episode. Would you really like to be on the set? And he mm-hmm. said, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, that's oh, amazing. That's so great. So you were there? All seven days. Oh, wow. We were on the set. In fact, I have a great photo of Susan and me with Mr. Hom and the Ferengi captain. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, so great. So it was. we were there for, it was fun. I mean, I'm not saying we were mm-hmm. there every second of those seven days, mm-hmm. but right. we were there for most of it. On the game, we just went the first day. We thought, okay, we don't want to, you know, wear out our welcome. Yeah. Was it cool to see like the devices being made, like the the props that they do to bring your story to life? How was that? So the day we were there, they were not using the prop. Oh. We were, we were, uh, but Ashley Judd was in the scene. And uh, <laughs> so we got to see Ashley and Dr. Crusher and Wesley. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's amazing. So great. Yeah. I am, um, when we got to the end of the episode, I obviously remembered that Picard's, um, Shakespeare recital was coming and just looking over and watching Danae as <laughs> as he started because it's one of the it's one of the very rare times that you see Picard break like that and if there's anyone that can do it to him it's Deanna's mother is going to make him break in some sort of way right but did you feel that kind of pressure of Picard is so straight-faced and I'm doing something kind of silly with him is everyone going to be okay with this? Or were you just, you know what, let's let's do it? Well, you never know if you're going to be rewritten. And almost everything in TV gets rewritten. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> Menage a Troy was not rewritten very much. A little bit, yes. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. But if you look at our very first draft and look at it on the air, a surprising amount of our dialogue made it into mm. the final draft, which is, Really shocking, I have to tell you. That's uh, amazing. But the Shakespeare stuff, I, we just took a chance. Knowing that Patrick was a royal Shakespearean, you know, actor. It's a smart move. He'll eat that up. We thought maybe he'd get a kick out of this. So Yeah. We just he did too. And we, you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, it was a moment. And But to answer mm. your question about Luxana, 
yes, writing that dialogue was a lot of fun. It was. Mm. And we absolutely meant it to be a comedy. Uh, mm. I think two of the, the, the highlights of the comedy that ended up in the final draft were uh, when, when Loxana wants to get away from the Ferengi and comes over to uh, Picard uh, to engage him. And he says, ah, uh, I'm just going to show Wright and Grax the new door mechanisms. Yes! <laughs> Let's pick the most obscure thing that we can. I, exactly. I that. And then, if I, if I say so myself, and the other thing, which is just under his breath at the end, he says to Wesley, warp nine. Yes. Like, get us there quickly. Get Let's me. go. Yeah. Quick. We never use warp nine. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Um, that, and that's something that's so fun because that's a subtle uh, detail that mm-hmm. a non-super nerd like myself, I wouldn't understand that. But Ian will regularly be like, Danae, let me explain that to you. That's not usual. No, like, it's so like, he'll kind this of... is a warp two or warp three situation, yeah. and Picard <laughs> is just like, go... put the foot down. Right. <laughs> Let's get out like, of here. Get the hell away from her. Like, yeah. and what's hilarious is that it's his. It's Wesley's grandmother. So he's he's like, um, I'm sorry, but your grandma is super annoying. We need to get out of here. <laughs> it's so fun. I um I always love that countdown where he's he's doing the he's doing the line, and then he'll turn around, pull his shirt down, and go two, and just the countdown to. <laughs> Fire just going from from hilarious recital to serious wharf blow them up is is so great so much fun. Oh, we were it was happy a really how, fun. how it turned out mm, yeah. absolutely yeah um, yeah I think the the last standout moment that just I know had Danae hilariously laughing was when they all get beamed up um, sans clothing <laughs> and she's just like I didn't realize transporter beams could do that <laughs> well we there, we definitely had a discussion with Gene about this so. Before we pitched to Michael, even though Gene wasn't going to take our pitches, we took him to lunch and said, look, these are the stories we're going to bring to Michael. We just want to know if you hate any of them, then we won't bring the ones you hate. Fortunately, he he didn't hate any of them. I don't know if he loved them all, but he didn't hate any of them. (laughs) So uh, as we were talking about what at the time we were going to call, at first it was the ransom of Mrs. Troy, then it became... Mm -hmm. Peace of mind, P I E C E. Okay, yeah. We wanted a piece of mind. We we described the shot, the what we wanted to do with beaming them out, and now and they're going to be mm-hmm. naked. The clothes are going to fall, and we said, "Can we do that?" And Gene said, "Yeah, we can do that." So <laughs> we we got the blessing that we could have nudity in there. I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be frontal, obviously. No, we at least we knew no, we're not on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, it's so it's, great. It's so fun when you can use Star Trek technology to do something funny like unexpected. that. Unexpected, exactly. And then all of a sudden, it becomes like, okay, so this is actually an ability of this, you know, the system. So we're learning more about <laughs> what is and isn't. How much does this done. get abused? Right. <laughs> uh, by the way, the title of the show, uh, "Peace of Mind," that changed because Michael Pillar said we don't want to do a play on words, so come up with another title. Susan and I went to dinner in Burbank and went over many, many titles, most of which were pretty stupid, like My Stepmother is a Ferengi. <laughs> it doesn't really even make sense, but, you know, the movie. Yeah. yeah. And we left the restaurant, still didn't have a title. And driving home, the phrase popped into my head, pod de deux. And I thought, oh, okay. two, it's not really two, it's going to be three. Mm. More of a menage a, tr- a trois. There we go. Now that's perfect. But again, it's a play on words. So we thought Mm. 
So the next morning, Susan went in, and before we did anything, she went to Jean and said, uh, Fred and I have a new title. Michael wanted to change it, didn't want to play on words. Here's our new title. And we really like it. And Gene, <laughs> please, yeah, I like it too. So he wrote a memo. Gene wrote a memo to Michael Pillow. Oh, amazing. You so went to dad. Fred and Susan have a new <laughs> title, and I like it. <laughs> that's yeah. Menage Troy. That's amazing. It's like, I know it's still wordplay, but trust me on this one. Yeah. It's worth yeah. it. This is great. I, yeah, we have a colleague very much like that that is a big fan of wordplay and just like, hear me out, guys. Right. I know I've done this before, but you're going to love it. So it's the, so great. The game had another title, mm. but Michael didn't like it. Actually, he said we'd be sued. Oh, <gasps> really? Yeah. Ooh. And I, my, before I tell you the title, my answer was mm -hmm. no, blank blank will love it. And I'll tell you who blank blank was. Uh -huh. Our title was Advanced to Boardwalk. Oh. And he said Parker Brothers will sue us. Yeah. And I said, no, they'll love it. That something from Monopoly is a title of a Star Trek. But he wouldn't even try. You know. No, it's something to tick yeah. off the bucket list. If you're included or referenced in Star Trek, then you've made that's it. it. Yeah. You've made it. You're in the 24th century. Exactly. You've got we it. We'll be talking about it today. Advanced <laughs> yes. boardwalk. Yeah, that's incredible. Life goals. Get that's on amazing. Star Trek. That's it. Right. Like, that's great. You. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so one of um, mm. we we put out some we put out some feelers to like the fans of the podcast to see if they had any specific questions and on on the game specifically. Um, one of my favorite questions was, what was it like creating a story for Wesley, especially when there was quite a bit of, let's say, animosity at the time? He wasn't the most beloved character. Um, right. For the record, I've always loved Wesley. He's who I related to on the ship because I was like, imagine being a kid and just getting plucked up and popped on the bridge of the Enterprise and then getting promoted. And Right. Um, so yeah, the question was like, what was it like writing for a character that wasn't yeah super popular? Not only that, who was gone by the time we wrote? Well, there's a whole long story about this. So let me let me tell you, there is definitely background about it. Mm. And, and by the way, his promotion that was in Menage à Troy. That is beautiful. It is such a great moment because you would think that that would be in a Wesley centric story, but it. It's not a Wesley story, but it's such right. a great uh -huh. and fitting reward for the work that he does. It's, it's I was a great just moment. gonna say that was another part of my of that one that I really loved. Uh, speaking of Wesley, because it yeah, it's a it's a beautiful way to to tell an important part of a story and like showcase that you don't have to build something mm. around a big event like that. It can be meaningful inside of other people's stories. This is so part of I life really on it. the Enterprise. Yeah, the way that came about is we, Susan and I, knew that Gene wanted to promote Wesley, and it was going to happen in some episode. And so we went to him and said, you know, we, we would love to promote him at the end of Menage à Troy. And Gene said, okay. That's, oh, amazing. that's so cool. That's we got to include it in, in that episode. And to that's see so his good. little walk of pride as he comes yeah. onto the bridge in the uniform for the first yeah. time, that's, it's all, you can see Will Wheaton beaming. <laughs> it was it was handled really well the, the directing of it and and everybody on the bridge yes yeah we were we were really happy with how it turned yeah. out well it's just tears everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah beverly on her little weird perch that she has <laughs> yes. and and gene was on the set because you know he was wesley and this was of course a big thing you know for him um that's incredible so the game uh when we wrote it the first time when we pitched it, 
it was a year earlier and we wrote it as Wesley's going away episode. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we didn't know if they were going to let us do it as going no, away. We just took a shot. But so when we first pitched it, Michael liked it and gave us the go ahead to write the story. You know, the first step. Mm-hmm. We wrote yeah. the story, turned it in, and the reaction was, yeah, we, you didn't quite get what we want. So do this, this, and this, and then we'll be happy. Mm-hmm. So we rewrote it, adding in this, this, and this, and we turned it in, and they said, no, it's still not no. quite there. So do, do <laughs> this, Guys, you're killing me. <laughs> this, and it'll be all right. So we did, and it was, no, you're just, you're just not getting yeah. it. We're, we're going to have another writer take a crack at it. Ouch. So, yeah. And they didn't like it. Oh, no. And they gave it to another writer. <laughs> and they didn't like it. Wow. And then it went into the dead file. Oh, no. Do. I mean, there, there are many stories mm-hmm. in that dead file. I want to get my hands on that file. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to have to talk after the podcast about our dead file how plans. We break into Paramount. Hey, how we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. So, <laughs> Much time goes, like a year goes by, and to us, it's just dead. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but we found out later. Rick Berman went to Michael one day and said, whatever happened to that story that Susan and Fred did about the game? And Michael said, it's in the dead file. And Rick said, no, I like that story. We're going to do it. Oh, wow. We got revived a year later. Like the phoenix rising out of the ashes of the dead file. Exactly. (laughs) Good, Good thought. Uh, yes, exactly. Wow. And at this point, it was a year later, mm-hmm. and we they they didn't come back to us. They gave it to uh, a brand new writer, Brandon Braga, and oh, wow. and had him work the story using ours, but mm-hmm. adding to it. And then he wrote the script. So we get story credit as, as mm-hmm. we should. We came up with the story. Mm-hmm. Ironically, two things: it became his coming back story instead of his going away story. And of course, yeah. At, as Brandon wrote it, it was more like our first draft than anything that had come <laughs> after. So we feel, you know, Amazing. not exactly, but pretty close. Yeah. We felt like it came full circle to what we had wanted. Uh, so even though we got the story yeah. credit and not full teleplay credit, we were very happy. With it. Oh, absolutely. That's incredible. It's a sneaky, like, it's a sneaky. Um, or like end of Starfleet story wrapped in quite a fun tale because if they're successful and they they make it back to the starbase and if Wesley wasn't there that thing wipes out all of Starfleet like, exactly. <laughs> all so of it. dangerous yes all of it yeah. it's so fun that's so so great so what just to to pivot completely in a different direction sure what do you think Gene would feel a battle of the new Star Trek and the just the fact that it's continued on for so long as well. I think he'd say, Fred, you were what well, you said at lunch, it's true. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> I, I don't think he'd remember that. Um well when when Rick and Michael brought him Deep Space Nine, he said, No, I don't want to do that. Wow. And five days after he died, they announced Deep Space Nine. Mm. Now I love Deep Space Nine. And I've, I have seen Gene change his mind many times. So I do believe, I don't, don't, there's no way to know for certain. I am pretty sure he would have come to really like Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I think he would love everything that's going on now, especially Strange New Worlds. Yeah, absolutely. But I think he, he would like all of it and be very happy. 
and Aww. be financially rewarded. I, mean, <laughs> you know, I think so. I think uh, so as well. If if you compare Gene's, obviously Gene was not poor, but if you compare his financial status at the time of his death to the way the estate has grown, it is so much larger now than it ever was in his lifetime. So I think he'd be totally, obviously happy, but totally shocked at absolutely it's 2022 and we're still watching new episodes of star trek well we have one two three four different star trek tv shows going on at the minute and all of them in active production it's it's incredible a total of 11 series with more to come yeah I think it's eleven if you don't count short treks, but uh, so twelve if you. Can. Oh, I, I count. I count short treks definitely. <laughs> yeah. Ian and I talk about this too. Uh, uh, when we're chatting about like the story creation and the the things that I'm realizing is that there's so much care that's been given into the details of how things work or the the systems that are in place for how Starfleet interacts and. There's all these different uh, the worlds that are created, the different races that are created, the different conflicts that are there. There's so much detail in that that when you're writing a story, it's it brings it to life in a new way because it has so much existing detail. So you don't really have to do a lot of qualification um, because the people who are writing on it, they're like, no, that's 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 how that whatever scientific thing that you just said works because there it, it's been there for so long and that's what it does. Ian regularly brings up. <laughs> <laughs> names of things in engineering i have no idea what they are but he's like well this is how it works and that's the beautiful part i think of the of that the world of star mm. trek i i really hope that um there were a lot of voices that would have been speaking to him about the care with which mm. um these things have been created and that's i think part of why there's such a passion for it too there's the incredible fan base and they're really welcoming as well mm. uh, i was kind of worried a bit when we started the podcast and um about being a new Czech person and just asking questions and maybe like being free to not like it like i was we started with picard because mm. i knew picard he was my captain right. um and so we started in that series and i was like man well, if i don't like this i mean am i gonna be eaten this alive is a lot by... of pressure ian's not gonna be friends with me anymore right. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, and and but it's not that way at all. There's just there's just conversation about it, and um, I've really enjoyed the it's it's the stories, the detail, the care, and the fan base itself. I think are more of that uplifting fan base mm-hmm. rather than the toxic sort of environment that I think we see with some content. Um, and maybe that starts with people, you know, out there picketing to get their beloved get show, their back. show back. Yeah, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I'll take all the credit for that. No. Uh, you, should. <laughs> you, you, you know, speaking more about what, what Gene would think today, I think one of the reasons that we do love all of these current series and the reason he would have loved them is that it goes back to something I remember him saying in TNG season two or three, because there were, there were many, you know, producers on the show. Mm-hmm. And I remember someone came in and Gene did not like what he wanted to do to Star Trek. It wasn't Hurley or Michael. Michael Piller, I think, did a brilliant job. Michael Piller is legendary. He, you know, as we all know, season three is when TNG really, yeah, kicked Really kicked into gear. This is another gentleman under under Michael, and Gene just didn't like what he wanted to do to Star Trek, and I, I remember him saying to me, Star Trek isn't broken, and I don't need someone to come in and fix it. 
Well, no one's come in to fix it. They have done Star Trek like it's a... And I was always worried that at some point in the future, when Gene is not doing Star Trek, what will the new people do? We know that yeah. Rick, it was in the good good hands with Rick Berman and Michael Piller, but what about beyond them? Yeah, I don't have to worry because under Alex Kurtzman, everyone's mm-hmm. done an amazing job and stayed true to. Yeah, you know, obviously they've gone in other directions. You know, they've done you know season long arcs and mm-hmm. you know, but it's also twenty twenty two and. You can't tell, like like you said, Danae, you can't do tell a story in 2022 like you told it in 1967 or 6. No. So you change with the times. But that's mm-hmm. all fine. And it's all done within the framework of what Star Trek is and should be. Oh, so good. Michelle Paradise is such a awesome pair of hands to be like steering the ship as well. She seems to be like really keen yeah. on keeping it to what gene imagined it was going to be and just it says so much the people that have that care and respect for what star trek is and just to keep it keep yeah. it going and i think every actor in the world at some point wants to be in star trek and everybody right. wants to to write for it absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes. right. yeah. We, we write our own shows in the podcast regularly like all right we're doing uh, we, we're doing it come up with some interesting episodes ourselves yeah. <laughs> Let me brag on Ian for a second. Um, he does this. He does this bit on the podcast where he, it's called Trekker Triction. Yeah. Where he will describe the plot line of a of an episode, mm-hmm. and I have to guess if it's an actual episode or if he's just making it up because sometimes <laughs> the and it's it's so crazy. There was one he told me about. I think a snowflake showing up in space, and I was like, "That's not true." I was like, "No, no, that actually no, happened." No, that one happened, and it's the more bizarre ones are the ones that are actual episodes. Like mine right. tend to be, "No, that could happen. That's absolutely fine." Um, uh, in this episode, it shrinks down, and they go into the panel to uh, take their shuttle. That I'm like, "No, nah, that's not true." Yes, that actually yeah, happened. That actually happened. Right. I'm terrible at this game. Terrible at it. <laughs> well, keep keep playing. Don't. Yeah, you'll get better. Exactly. The the Thank more you. you watch, the the only thing you can do is watch every single episode of Star Trek yeah. ever. I that's think the that's the plan. That's We're going to be doing this podcast for a very long time, and I think that the fans are okay with that. <laughs> I, I tell people who have never seen Star Trek, I say, you know, there's only 800 episodes or so. So if you start now, <laughs> yeah, you'll be absolutely fine. And that, that's you'll be fine. I always complain about not having enough time to watch new shows, and there I am rewatching TNG for the fifteenth time because. Right. You could just always make time to do that. Um, just to just to wrap up, not just not to take any more of your time. Um, if there was one show that's that's ongoing right now, you'd like to write for what? What would it be other than Strange yeah. New Worlds? Because I think yeah. that's the obvious other than answer. Strange New Worlds. Well, yeah. Strange oh New Worlds. come on, Strange mm. New Worlds. That's all of our Absolutely. answer. Yeah. What, what kind of story would you like to write for them? Where would you Where would you send them off to? Well, the challenge, of course, after eight hundred episodes is to come up with something new, right? That mm-hmm. you haven't seen before. Uh, unless you send Captain Pike to the future and have him redo a story, but they'll never do well, it. I mean, we can talk about that if you want. Like that is one of the most incredible episodes of Star Trek yes. I've ever seen. That oh, was wait. so What well did you done. think watching it? I thought this is brilliant and it's the best episode yet of mm-hmm. this series. And it's in a category with the inner light and city on the edge of forever. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
brilliant. Did you did you know like super fast that it was a remake? Because I didn't know. I've not seen any of the TOS, so I got to watch it with like a totally different Did lens. They just got to watch me freaking out as <laughs> he was freaking I knew exactly out. what episode we were in. Um, well, yeah, because the first thing we the first clue is the wedding, right? And yes, of course. Yeah, not knowing where they were going to go. Mm. My first thought was, oh, they did a wedding once before without thinking <laughs> we're in the same wedding. Thinking, but oh, what, a, what an homage to... Yeah, what a nice little nod. Yeah. Like, mm, and then might be more than a nod. It didn't take very long for me to go, oh my God, we're in Balance of Terror. How brilliant. Oh, it's just incredible. Yeah. What a, what a, oh. So well done. And, it was. Yeah, and such a clever way to end the season. I'm sure we both did the same thing. After I watched it, then I had to watch Balance of Terror again. Oh, like, of course. Yeah. And it's some of it is shot for shot. They just remade yeah. the same shot. And it's just the attention yeah. to detail is just awe-inspiring. Going um, in on Spock's ear and all of that. Yeah, the dramatic lighting across yeah. the eyes that you don't yeah. get to see anymore. <laughs> and the dialogue, of course. So much dialogue that came right yes. up. Yes. Yeah, in another reality, we could have been friends. Just, yeah. It's so so such a brave way to end the series as well because there could have been the temptation to no we must be independent we must do our own thing but but to weave in the pike storyline to weave in that he needed to have that moment to decide his fate Mm. like to to have the bravery to go we're going to actually help him make his decision to Mm. be in this timeline despite the outcome yeah and we're going to loop it into an existing that's just it's so brave Mm. to do that there's actually someone on youtube that took footage from the original and this and they've already like kind of made a little mashup video Uh, and i was just sent it earlier today and i'm gonna i'll watch that later on yeah i have to go look at that uh well (laughs) so yeah i have i definitely have a lot of stories i pitched that could be strange Mm -hmm. world (laughs) stories uh when i was in college i had a script writing class and this was during the original run you know first Mm -hmm. run of the original series and i came up with an idea that i think i could still do today now a little piece of it was done mm-hmm. on the Orville. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. It, so the name of the episode is Monument. And they beam down to a planet and find uh, a statue of themselves. Oh, wow. It's the monument. Mm. And being celebrated as heroes and they don't know why. Oh, that's amazing. That's and a we, great little cold open. We go from there. And uh, it, oh, you just reminded me of something else I should tell you. Uh, but so, yes, the monument, um, the Orville episode where we find the giant statue of her on the mm. where, you know, time is going forward so fast. Uh-huh. I, I thought, oh, my God, the monument. Oh, <laughs> you stole it from me. It, no. it How did they get into that file? How did they get into the file? <laughs> <laughs> my head. Keep my you do. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane is burrowing into your mind and stealing your good yeah. ideas. Yes. Um, but, you you know, you pitch and you pitch and you pitch. And it's inevitable that sometimes they may. Now, nobody knew about monuments. So I'm not saying that they took no, it no, away no. from me. Uh that reminds me of, uh, of course, the episode of TNG Rascals, where they... Yes. They younger. Were... Uh-huh. I heard later that uh, Gene was having a... Con- no, sorry, Michael Toller was having a conversation with Eric Stilwell, who was in the script department, of course, who wrote the story for yesterday's Enterprise. Mm. And uh, Eric said, you know, Michael, you know, there was an animated episode where 
they became too young to run the ship. And Michael said, oh, well, who wrote that one? And uh, Eric said, oh, Fred wrote it. And Michael said, oh, good, because he'll never sue us. <laughs> he was, oh, that's an actual no. thought that you have to have, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he was joking, I'm sure. Of course, yeah. But he was right. Of course I would never sue them. I want to keep writing for them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's... I mean, when you have a franchise that goes... I mean, at that point, Star Trek is only 20, 25 years old, and it's already started to accidentally right. recycle itself. But it, it, it was clear he didn't, He was not aware of that episode, so it wasn't like he stole it. And I... No. You know, there are things... It's so funny. We've seen many things that repeat as part mm-hmm. of thoughts or ideas that repeat. It's It's not plagiarism, you know. It kind of reminds me of what we're talking about earlier with sometimes we're just those conduits like the thought is out there and if it Mm -hmm. wants to live, it finds its way to come out like even when it has to rise out of the ashes of the delete file, you know, Mm. like if a story needs to be told, it'll ping into our minds enough and if enough people are aware of it, it's going to come out somehow Mm. somewhere. Um, Yes. And I, I love that idea that those who are aware and activated and motivated will be maybe the first ones to get out maybe the first draft but you don't know if you're just part of the seed planting or Mm. if you're going to be on the harvest end of it like you just don't know many times i've had thoughts or ideas or story ideas and i it's not like i tell anybody but then they end up so one example is i wanted to do a parody of wonder woman and Mm -hmm. i thought Melissa mccarthy would be the perfect actor to play the role and i called her thunder woman and then they, and then they go what? and make the film Thunderfall. Yeah, but I never told anyone. It was not. Oh, open. no. That's what I'm talking about. There's yeah. something that there's a real genuine, like, mm. aliveness that's just on the other side of this ether. Yeah. Like, we just, it's just there. It's yeah. True. It's true. It's I did, true. I did something similar back in, I had a screenwriting course back at university as well. And I, it was like a six-part drama, and it was um, about the, this group of time-traveling people that had to go back in time, and I titled it Continuum. And then little did I know, yeah, a few years later, a TV show called Continuum comes out with like almost word for word the same plot as what I wrote. And I was like, did somebody steal my laptop? And I'm like, could you at least give me some credit for this? Because right. it's just spooky how how that kind of stuff it ends does, up out I, in the universe. Yeah. yeah. I, so I have a post-it note of uh, drawing a uh, smart pen before they came out because uh i'm i'm older than people think so before there was like a phone with like a a smart pen that you could go inside of it i still have my doodle i'm like i i drew that before i did this by golly (laughs) i'm gonna tell you something i i rarely ever speak about but um around 1984 i thought you know, they should really bring Star Trek back as a TV series. And I wrote a draft for something called Star Trek The Next Generation. I never showed it to anyone. I never took it to Gene. Wow. But that's what I called it. It's not like it's brilliant. I mean, it was not the first thing to be called. You know, they actually Mm -hmm. did Bonanza The Next Generation. And I just thought, yeah, that would be a cool title for this. That's and incredible. I have to find it. I, I never throw out things I write, but I have no idea where that is at the moment. <laughs> find it. That, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. I believe it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. 
we're all tapped into something. We are. That's amazing. That's incredible. Well, well I feel inspired. Maybe we made them happen. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Okay. Yeah. What are we going to do with our powers? Because yeah. clearly we're, you know, <laughs> we're gonna not all human. Good. That's right, Fred. That's exactly right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm leaning towards evil. I think there's enough good in the world. We, we need to create something evil. Oh, oh <laughs> do we have like... And having powers for good unless there are powers for evil because there's no story. There's got to be That's a right. balance. Yeah. Exactly. So between the three of us, we have a triad here. Yeah. There's yeah. the good, the evil, the neutral. This is going somewhere. That's I'm amazing. excited. Let's work on it. All right. Stay, t- stay tuned, I, podcast listeners. <laughs> I keep saying we're wrapping up, but it's it's so awesome to, to talk to you, Fred. Mm-hmm. When what yeah. did you see the end of Robert April being like? What did you see kind of his career progression and then retirement as being the man that kind of brought him to life? Well, first of all, I have a huge regret, and I guess I should get over it. But that <laughs> is uh, that I made him seventy-five and retiring. Mm-hmm. When I wrote this in nineteen seventy-four, that seemed very logical because retirement age was sixty-five. And Mm -hmm. so to make it 75, whoa. Well, now people in their 70s, like me, are still working. (laughs) You actually (laughs) undercooked it. And I, yeah, 75, I probably should have made it 125. Look at McCoy in in the first encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, he's still there. I feel like I should have have made his retirement age much (laughs) older and given him a longer life. Other than that, I don't know that I thought much about it, to be honest. Uh, mm. You know, when you write this, at the time, I I thought, well, that's it for Robert April. You know, he was in one episode, and at the time, I thought, we'll never see him again. It yeah. did occur to me later on that we might. Mm. But back then, I, I wasn't. It's like a songwriter who wrote a song in 1960. They wrote it, you know, to be on the radio for a couple of months and never thought we'd still be hearing it you know, 60 years later. So it, it's like that. I don't think I thought it enough about that. Do you want to go back in and like add detail? Like like maybe he retired early for a reason, but now he's out of retirement. And what got him out of retirement so that he could continue to work? I think Danae's got some ideas. <laughs> I'm doing an episode where Captain Abel goes to the future and has to be in a story that already exists. Oh, no, I guess I'm not. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will take those stories. If every single season ends with a revisit to a classic episode, yes. I'm here for it. That'll that be incredible. Be okay. um, no, you've been extremely generous with your time. <laughs> like the, the, you're Happy part of it. like Star Trek legacy. What an awesome wow. thing to be a part of. is absolutely incredible. So, yeah, thank, thank you. you so much for spending some time with us. Great to be with both of you. Thanks, today. I'm anytime, anytime. Uh, happy to do it. And you ask great questions, so it was it was easy to uh, reply. I will absolutely have you back on the show. I think we'd the one of the other things we do is we do a bit of a uh, we do a watch along and then an analysis and gentle picking apart of episodes. So I think next time you come on, we'll pick your favorite episode and and pull it apart. Ooh, that'd be fun. Oh, oh, we do it in person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. After the event in Sweden, we all meet in the UK Mm -hmm. and we have a little live sit down and then we write a short story, Star Trek, just for fun. Yep. All right. And then the next night we'll go to the ABBA show. Okay. And yeah. then 10 years later, we'll see the episode on TV, but it wasn't us that wrote it. Someone exactly. else will have That's just right. come up with it yes. independently. And Amazing. we'll say Warp 9. We know what this means. Right. Yep. <laughs> Warp 9. Get us out of here, Mr. Crusher. Yeah. Warp 9. <laughs> That's great. Great. Thank you. <laughs>
Amazing. No, absolute pleasure, uh, pleasure Fred. Thank you so much. It was much. so nice to meet you. you. Ian, thank you, today. Thanks a lot. Did you just beam Fred out of the ship? Oh, Did no. you? I, I'm, I lent... <laughs> bye, Fred. I was trying to... Bye, Fred. Wow. I was trying wow. to be cool. I was leaning on the... That's not cool. I was doing the Riker lean, and I accidentally stepped on a button. Um, He'll be well, fine. He seemed to enjoy know, it. I think he'll be, he'll he'll be fine. He'll be back. He'll come back. I hope. <laughs> No. Or you beamed him to space, and the the poor man is just trying to figure out how to swim to a shuttlecraft in the distance. I don't, know, I don't know that you swim. If anybody can do it, Fred Bronson can write yeah. himself out of he being beamed into space. Exactly, that um, is my point. Amazing. Mm-hmm. What well, that was mm-hmm. loads and loads and loads of fun. Um, like, is that the closest that you've ever come to like Star Trek royalty? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you kidding? All right, all I mean, right. I have touched um, Jonathan Frakes. Careful. No, Careful. I have. I have touched Jonathan Frakes and on the shoulder, oh, on the hand, on the hand. Okay. He knew All about right. it as well. He offered his hand to me, and okay, and I shook okay. it. But in Did terms you kiss of it? not like like, it, what, like he offered his hand and you smooched it. Not to his knowledge. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look over there. Smooch. This went from you like being like he gave me consent, and then immediately, like, but he, I, but not for this. But part. not for this part. <laughs> yeah, no, that that sums it up. Um, yeah, no, Fred. Fred's awesome. Like to be in touch yeah, that was with a lot of fun. that deeper part of Star Trek history, all the way from from the animated series up to TNG and even JJ Abrams. He that man has some amazing stories that I think we only just scratched the surface of. Did we just peak though? Like, is that the best that Captain's Pod will ever be? Like, is should we just end the show now here forevermore? I mean, it's the you best know? until Fred comes back and we nitpick oh, an true. episode with him. <laughs> Do you think he'll really do it with us? Yeah, absolutely. I hope he will. Yeah, I, I think, think so. he will too. Yeah, I think okay, he will. Okay, okay, okay. Amazing. Okay. Well, that was so much fun. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, if you enjoyed it, spread it out. Tell everyone about yes. it. Yes. Tell everyone Please about the secrets. Please go on to Twitter if you're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred said he was going to tweet this episode. So go show him love for listening to it yeah. on that thread if you can find it. And of course, we will retweet it. Um, and and so check our check our Twitter feed. Also, just if you are loving the show, could you please give us a public review on Apple Music? That's a really kind of important central source for people to find how the general public is responding to a podcast. I wish there was a different way to do it, but that's where to do it. So if you have <laughs> an account with Apple, um, would you please go do that for us? That would really really help us out and thanks again for listening all to all of our new listeners thanks for being here um and yeah give fred a follow he's at fred bronson on twitter um and also um fred has a website fredbronson.com which is a super high recommend from me it is a treasure trove of playlists that he's put together information about his career in the music industry um and as a journalist and some absolutely awesome photos from his very storied career so thanks for listening everybody uh, as always live long and prosper thanks for listening want to connect with the show our hailing frequencies are always open through captainspod at cinemasins.com like comment and subscribe on your podcast player of choice and be sure to visit cinemasins.com the first thing I'm going to do is show him the ship that you made. Mm, okay. No, no, that's good. <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's fine. the first thing I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I want you to see our cool board cube, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is pyrite, right? Yes, it is pyrite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then I want you to see this beautiful ship, man. That Ian thinks that he is going to come back to the United States, paint and take home with him, but is mine forever. The only way that I'm ever giving this to anyone. Is if your dad asks for it. And I'm like, okay, I can't say no to your dad.
I want to show you one thing real fast. Yeah. This is something that Ian made. <laughs> no, don't 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 mind my nail polish. My daughter did my nails. She's only uh, five. But this this was actually crafted out of clay by a thirty year old man. It was. Um, it was an unusual medium. I'm not used to dealing with with clay. Yeah. It started off as an enterprise. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> no, it's great. If I did it, it wouldn't work <laughs> nearly as good as that one. This is the start of a story. The start of the story is all of a sudden they have to like they 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 travel to a planet that when you create something out of clay, it comes to life. Mm -hmm. And this this wonky ship is what gets them back home somehow. Well, strangely, it. Voyager did that. They, they when they go to the Stop demon it. planet, no, <laughs> they, they go to the demon planet, and then there's a second Voyager that's made, but it isn't stable. Oh, right, Star Trek's God. done it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but uh, so there was a song that. I think could be the title of the episode. Okay. The song was by Jimmy Rogers and it was called Child of Clay. Yes. Yeah. See? Perfect. So we can do this. There you go. We can. And Danae takes, yeah. takes great joy in showing it to everybody whenever she does. It's amazing. <laughs> There's no way. No, I'm never. It's amazing. I, I was I going to paint it, but now I feel like the, the worse it is, the better. I just need no. to leave yeah. it as. No. Yeah, you, yeah. you couldn't talk. No. 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 <laughs> They may want to make a whole uh, yeah, a I'll, new toy line. I'll start right. reaching out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, slightly wonky enterprises. Yeah, I think yeah. You, could, you could make a fortune. It's a whole series, Amazing. slightly wonky, and then yeah, insert the yeah. next thing here. You can know. finally stop podcasting for a living and and <laughs> follow my dream. <laughs> there you are. Amazing. That's incredible. Do you wish I was a robot? No. And you could just like program. Hmm. my chaos a little bit more is, why is, are you what is that face nothing. what are you is, are you planning something right now what the fuck is chaos chaos if you can program it oh that's why you had that face mm -hmm. no we, i mean the face no. was because you asked me if i wanted a programmable robot and duh yes of course i do but it, it would only be used for the betterment of mankind it, nothing like what you're thinking can it go upstairs um it's not dalek it's it doesn't have it's just like we will dominate the universe unless there are steps. Why is my audio so quiet? Um, yeah, your audio is always either very quiet or like excessively well, present. It's, it's <laughs> ah, has that's like my personality. Yes. Huh. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I decided long ago. Why are you and Aaron both singing that song? Wait, today? Yes. Oh, because it's in the OV1 edit. That's why. Oh. Uh, literally, he just before this, he was <laughs> he's over here at the house working today. Yeah. I walked into the room and he's like, <laughs> never to walk in anyone's shadow. I was like, <laughs> okay. And then you start doing it. Yeah. If I fail. The if I succeed. Let's, let's, let's come up with our own like cool pseudonym so it's the it's the city he was born in mm -hmm. is culver yeah okay so what would your last name be <laughs> luton <laughs> which there actually is a character in star trek called luton <laughs> whoa yeah. okay okay um oh, we should probably be doing this with him uh <laughs> yeah. but what's what's like a just a regular name you like that's just kind of like a normal name henry so you're henry luton <laughs> henry luton luton <laughs> What would yours be? Yours would be, what, Springfield? Yeah, so the last name would be Springfield. Please tell me you like the name Marge. Marge Springfield. What if it was, like, Rich? Rich Springfield? 
Was it Bruce? Bruce Springfield? <laughs> yeah, let's make it Bruce. Yeah. Or, no, wait, like Brenda. Brenda. No, but, but picking like a male name would be the thing because you would be like, yeah. well, I'll be more accepted by by the writing people if I'm a man. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what kind of a male name would I pick? Oh, it's easy. Denny, because it's just everyone calls me Denny oh, anyway. Perfect. So I would just be Denny Springfield. <laughs> Denny Springfield. That's so yeah. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yep. I'm your captain, Fred Luton, and here is Ambassador Denny Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> and then we do like a voice changer where my voice is just awkwardly low. Oh, amazing. That'd be so good. So people don't know that I'm actually a woman unless they watch the live show. That's true. I'll put on a southern accent. Oh, I'm Fred Luton. That's pretty good. I can't, that's all I'm going to say. Is that all you can do? Yeah, it's wel- just, welcome, I'm Fred. Welcome, welcome aboard the USS Enterprise. That's not bad. That's not bad. If I was to do a new um, um, voice on Wild RP, it'd be like a, a super hill. Like, Hattie, y'all having a good time? Oh, all right. All right. No. All right. You, you just went straight into Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Oh, yeah. you know he can't have that phrase. That's no, just a it's just a phrase. No, 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 he can. He pops in the chat, and we're both screaming. Ah! Welcome to Captain's Pod. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh my Whoa. god, just doing some vocal warm ups. Exactly. <laughs> the Ferengi flailed ferociously. <laughs> We should do like some Star Trek themed audio. Some tongue twisters? Warm ups. Yeah. Oh my God. The Andorian was androgynous with their antlers. So, can I tell you something funny? Yes. I was in a meeting yesterday. Mm. uh, And it's it's with a couple of people that I regularly get their names mixed up. Both of their names are Uh, not necessarily uh similar. I know the people. But. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do at the top of the meeting? I'm going to just write down their name and then something that describes them so that I can just, you know, like, get used to Oh, no. So I wrote down, like, the first person's name. Let's say it was Brent. And the next one's name is Brian, right? So I wrote down Brent, wearing hat, has a has a beard, uh-huh. young, things like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then Brian shows up, and he's also wearing oh, a hat, no. has a beard, and a beard, and is oh, also young. And I'm like, no. how? Neither of them have glasses or any discernible like visual difference between each other other than one is named Brent and one is named Brian. There's no possible way to differentiate them. I'm just going to have to learn their fucking names like a regular person would do. I thought you were going to say that one of them had a hat and a beard and then like the other one didn't. But then the meeting went on for so long that one of them took their caps off and then the other one put a cap on and it just completely threw you and it broke and your system. And also grew a beard. And also just grew magically. a Because <laughs> of how long the meeting went on. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it's That's actually stars. a good skit though. Yeah. That's a good skit. That would work. Have you, you've interviewed people before, haven't you? <laughs> Are you kidding? What do you mean you're kidding? Uh, you're funny. Why? I think you're joking right now. No, I know you have. That's why I'm asking. Like you've interviewed loads of people. So... So, like, usually the purpose of a question is that you are asking for clarification. So, when you said, have you interviewed someone, you said, of course you have. I know that already. But have you interviewed someone? So, I'm, oh, do okay. you know no, I if have, I have? No, I do know. I just, I had another oh, sentence okay. that, I mean, mm-hmm. if you'd have been a normal human, you'd have said, yeah, of course. And I could have done my next bit. But you, like, started oh, to break down my statement. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I ruined your bit. Let's go again. You've interviewed people, haven't you, today? No. <sighs> <laughs> We're 
with me is so much fun. I'm gonna send you a picture of my notes from this meeting. It has their real names though, so you can't like actually say it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's it says hat, Brent, beard. Backwards hat, Brian, also beard. Fuck. <laughs> Did you account for Danae's questions in here? No. Those are just going to be sprinklings of excellence. I hope so. Especially when like, you ask your first question. I'm like, that's a boring question. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> that's dumb. I'm taking over. <laughs> did you stalk him? Did you stalk him? I did some research, yeah. Oh, research. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That's the professional way of saying Parked it. outside of his house for two weeks. How, how do you do your research? Is that what you did with me whenever you invited me on your podcast? Oh, no, 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 no. That was like two months. <laughs> oh, much, <laughs> Just long, much, much longer. Researching? Research, yes. <laughs> That's how I like, need to trick you into talking about D&D. That's how you got the schematics to my house. Oh, it's all making sense now. Computer, divert resources away from wherever the ambassador is. Lock her out. Are you locking me out, yeah, Captain? Yeah, you're locked out of the computer now. Authorization code, Picard, 11774577765514423277711. Uh, computer? If you get that reference, well done. Am I helping? Nope. <laughs>